Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. Today, I just want to talk a little bit about what God might have in store for you, for us as a church, you know, for you as a person. We've talked about what He's done and who He is, but I'm telling you, He can do and wants to do and will do exceedingly more. I ask you the question, who are you supposed to be? You know, who, who are you supposed to be? Uh, you're supposed to be a man or woman of God. You're supposed to be somebody uh, who matters, somebody uh, who, uh, who, who souls and lives and breakthroughs hinge upon. You, you have it in you. You have the imprint of Christ. You have the, the, that DNA, uh, you know, that God-breathed spirit. Uh, you are a candidate for a miracle, and you are a candidate to be a conduit of somebody else's miracle. You, you are not just your own little story. God had a bigger role for you. You weren't supposed to be an extra in the plot, in the play. You were supposed to be a, a leading person, somebody who was going to come back later and do something, somebody who had a purpose and wasn't just supposed to walk through, have your little experience and go home. You were supposed to be, and you are supposed to be, and you can be a, a, a mover, a primary person in the kingdom. God's Holy Spirit is no respecter of persons. You have a purpose. You have an anointing that is waiting to be unlocked in the name of Jesus Christ, and it matters to us. It matters to somebody else. It matters to the people that you were designed and called and issued forth to set free by the power of the blood of Jesus, by the lifting up of his name. And it's not contingent on how good your past record is. It's not even contingent on all of the giftings that you recognize in yourself. It is contingent on the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and his moving through you, the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. He uses the foolish things and the foolish people and the weak things to confound the wise, to bring forth his best miracles. He always starts with an underdog story. He didn't start out with a truckload of bread and fish and then kind of double it. He started out with just a little bit, just enough to where you could see where it was coming from. And right now you might be that one person and you're not much, but you're just enough to see God in the situation. You're just enough to see God coming forth, brimming forth with new life. And now it's going to feed. Now it's going to force its way into dark places and it is going to change lives. It's going to change eternal destinies. And that's all about you being little and him being big. Furthermore, whenever you forget how small you are, then you have taken yourself out of the faith equation because now it's on ourselves. So if you're weak, then he would love to be strong in you today. If you're without, he would like to be that manna from heaven. He's ready to move in you, but you've got to move as well. You see, spiritual inaction will quickly turn to complacency we sit long enough, we will become complacent. And complacency left alone long enough will turn to doubt. Have you ever been there? Have you ever let those doubts begin to claw their way up and creep up? And you're like, man, I tell you what, I still believe, but I didn't used to question that. I didn't used to, I didn't used to have a back and forth on those things. And now I can still kind of reason my way to the truth, but I, it's now it's, it's, it's active. Like it, there are doubts. And doubt left unchecked long enough will turn into disbelief. See, and Christ did not many miracles, not because of their doubt, but because of their disbelief, their unbelief. This is important for us to understand, for us, for us to know that 
inaction leads to complacency. Complacency left alone will lead to doubt. And doubt, when it has borne what's inside it and birthed that in the next season, it will turn to disbelief. You see, for a long, long, long time, um, even people who have no relationship to God, you know, in history, they, they don't understand who, who Yahweh was, who, who the God of the Bible was. Um, you know, the Greeks, you know, on whose, on who's, you know, philosophical ideas and, you know, uh, demo, you know, ideas of democracy, so much of our culture even now, it kind of goes back to. You know, these fathers of civilization, of reason, of understanding, of philosophy, they kind of back themselves into a corner because you can only go so far without, without you know, running into God. And uh, Aristotle particularly uh, gave name to, uh, to a question. He said, well, I can see this came from this and that came from that and this goes here. And at the very beginning, you know, he, he didn't really have a, he didn't say the Big Bang, but he said, he, he kind of bypassed the Big Bang theory and all that. And he said, something had to happen for all the other happenings. And he gave voice to it and he called it uh, the unmoved mover. That's what these Greek, you know, geniuses, you know, the, the, these great philosophers of their day. And this is 23, 2,500 years ago. And they said, an unmoved mover. What is that? Well, it just means something that happened before anything else. And I don't know how it happened or why it happened, or you know, but then everything else could happen. So I can trace it all the way back. And these philosophers said, well, we can go as far as back as an unmoved mover, but something had to move. And they just kind of hung it there. Now, Paul comes into, you know, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, after Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, and things are beginning to move, things are beginning to shake. The world is never going to be the same again because the power of God is going forth, and it's changing whole cities. It's changing whole countries and mindsets and worlds. It's shaking up philosophy because something is breaking loose, right? So Paul winds up in Athens. Here's what he says. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, and Athens is where, uh, where these Greek guys are from, right? That's kind of the epicenter. This is where Aristotle, 2,300 years ago, you know, and probably 500 years before Jesus, this is where he was, you know, reasoning out all these deals. Um, men of Athens, I perceive to you that you're all very religious, for as we were passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives life, life to all, breath and to all things, he is made from one blood of every nation, every man, uh, to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord and hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live, we move, and we have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Paul answers a question. He stands up and declares something important that, you know, a, a world of brilliant philosophers and, and thinkers had, had questioned for a long, long time, for hundreds of years and, and beyond, and said, what, who, who is behind it all? Who is first? Who moved? Who moved? That we can move. Because no matter how far you track it back, 
you believe in this, in, this, in, in this complete evolution theory and you believe that there is no intelligent design, no creator, and, and that you know, a big bang happened you know, billions and billions of years ago, and, you know, and, and you might as well finish that off by saying um, you know, yeah, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away because that's exactly how much you can really prove your point. You might as well just take it right to, you know, to, to Star Wars theology because you don't know what happened when and why and how we're here that you've reached the end of the line. There's an unmoved mover. Before that, what happened before that? God is. God was. And our God will be. He is that unmoved mover. Maybe you're here today, and you're here, and you're kind of on that trip on that, you know, that, that journey of faith and understanding and revelation. And you're saying, well, I've kind of traced it to where I do feel something. And, you know, I know that there is a God. I'm not exactly sure how that all lines up, you know, which church to choose, or even if it's the right religion, but I know there is something beyond myself. And if that's as far as you're at, then great job. You're, you're hundreds and hundreds and millennia ahead of, you know, some people were in their theology and understanding. But if that's you today, Let me real quick declare to you, as Paul declared 2,000 years ago to the Athenians, I declared you Jesus, God the Father and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this triune Godhead who spoke life into existence, who spoke the world into existence, he who was and is and is to come. I am just a humble man. I'm no great theologian or thinker, but I declare to you, Jesus. Jesus. Now I want to talk a little bit about, about where we're going, what we're going to do, you know, because I'm really pumping us up. I'm like, what are we going to do? I'm going to storm the beach. What beach, you yeah. Really getting pumped up. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do with this? I know if I'm not who I'm supposed to be, who am I supposed to be? And what am I supposed to do? And how am I going to get there? I have to declare this to you first. Faith is our spiritual unmoved mover. Faith for you. Now, of course, everything starts with the promises of God and the power of God and God's preexistent. But faith has to come forth. Faith has to move. And that's whenever we believe sometimes hope against hope and without full understanding and without understanding that the you know the network and how everything is going to happen faith is whenever we believe god without all the earthly evidence that the flesh demands that's whenever we step out and we believe god to be who he said he is over top of what i see that it is that's the unmoved move. That's when I say a hope against hope and prayer against prayer. I stand on the word of God in defiance of what I see, what I hear, what I thought I knew. I believe God. Buddy, that's faith. That's the releasing of faith. It's when you don't see, but it's the hope. It's the evidence of things unseen. Amen? Faith in God is the one thing that can move us into action. And when actions of faith occur, all of creation waits with bated breath to see what marvelous, indescribable things the Almighty God may do. When faith is released, all creation 
looks to see how the Creator, He who spoke it all into existence, will superimpose Himself on the world, on reality, on situations, on hearts and lives and doubts. How He will go against the grain of what is and who He is is demonstrated again as greater than what it is. All creation looks and waits to see, God, how will you be greater? What will you do? Will you, will you cause the mountains to be moved again and cast into the midst of the sea? Will you make something from nothing? Will you, will you cause the winds and the gale and the wind and, and, and all the waves to be still? Will you cause the sun in the sky to hold its place until it's bid to go? Will you create life where only death exists? Will you bring forth new life out of the barren? Will you heal the broken? Will you restore what is lost? God, what can you do? What will you do? But when faith is released, we should watch. We should be excited. It should wake up the wonder with which we hold our God and our relationship with God. God can do anything. This is what he says in Genesis to, uh, to Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, Genesis 12, uh, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless you and bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And you and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I'm reading that kind of weird, right? Because there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're doing some stuff with our finance right now, like on, on the house, on the mortgage, and I'm having to deal with all these people. Um, they, they like a little earnest money. You know, they like to, if, if they're not going to charge a PMI, they want 20% down. You know this, you know, they, they, they want a little, uh, they want a little something up, something, something up front so you don't default, right? That's how I am too, right? You know, well, you say that, but let's, let's see a little something. I don't, I don't know you. I mean, I don't not like you. I, I like you, but I don't know you. So, yeah, I'm, I don't, I need to see something, right? You know? Brother Derek, I mean, yeah. Brother-in-law, Derek. Someone comes to you say, hey, "I lay a floor. I may lay a mean floor." Oh, good. That's great. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, because we've, we've seen contractors come out there, and you know, yeah, they lay it. <laughs> you had people like that come into your life and say, "I will be there for you. I will be your friend. I will not walk out. I will not take advantage of you." And how had that turn out? Sometimes it don't turn out so well. So. Honestly, God is making a lot of promises. I will bless you. And he's good for it, by the way. However, looking into the situation, you haven't always acted like he was. You haven't always acted like God was good for it, have you now? You have not. You have not. You, you, have, you have not acted whenever you were down and you had nowhere else to turn, not always did you act in a way that would suggest to me and to my, my God that you thought he was good for it. 
for his word, for his promises. Or else that whole season would have looked different. I'm not beating you over the head. I mean, me too, right? We don't always act like God is good for every one of his promises. But he said, I will bless you. He said, I will make out of you a great nation. And uh, Abraham said, you're going to have a hard time making anything out of, out of us. If you haven't heard, you know, we, we don't have kids. We got, you know, you know, we got this guy who kind of stepped in. You know, he's kind of like a kid to us. But, you know, we, we, don't, you know, we don't do that. We, that's just not how it worked out for us. So you're saying I will, but my doubt is saying that you won't. And furthermore, it's saying that you can't. That's what he said. He said, you can't. But God is saying, I will. I shall. I will. I will. I will. I will. He says, I, I will make a, your name great. I'll, I shall be a blessing. Um, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families and all the earth shall be blessed. It's Abraham. What did, what did Abraham do? What did Abraham do? Verse 4 says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took his wife Sarah and Lot and his brother's son and all their possessions, all they had gathered, and the people who they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to the land of Canaan. And so they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites then were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to them. And he moved from here to there to the mountains east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. See now, you know why I can't finish the story? Because it's the rest of the Bible. And you got to cut it off somewhere when you're reading, right? Everything that will proceed forward is based on the redemption of a promise, a moving in faith over a word received. Right? I mean, I, I don't know, where, where would you stop? Because we know what happened. All these promises that have come forth to Abram, and, and, he, and he heard God, and he didn't see anything, but he stepped out. He said, you know, I've heard you. I choose to believe with no evidence. I didn't wait until we saw a child you were born. I didn't wait until all of a sudden my name was great, and then I kind of edged into it step by step. I didn't do any of that. I got up from where I was. I heard what you had said, and I began to move. I began to walk. I began to obey. I began to listen. I began to act like you were who you said you were, and that caused me to move. I began to just act like, like I believed. I began to do the things that I would do if I really believed that you are who you say you are, God. And that's when faith is released. And like I said, I mean, I could read on a little bit further, but I mean, this is the rest of the Bible. You know? Because out of, out of this one, out of Abram, Isaac, out of Isaac comes Jacob. And out of Jacob comes you know, his, his, all his sons, his 12 sons, and, and one of which is Judah. Now, out of Judah is going to come all of these many, 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 many children, many generations. But then there's going to be one named Jesse. And Jesse is going to be, uh, you know, out and you're working in his fields. He's going to have a boy outside there. Uh, his name is going to be David. The line, you know, the seed of David is going to come forth. And he is going to be a prophetic type uh, of the one who is going to come. And then generation after generation after generation, unbroken, unbroken promises that last longer than any of us have any concept of being able to understand. Some of us can't keep a promise until after lunch. 
God keeps promises throughout eternity. Unbroken. Generation after hopeless generation of war, of famine, of disease, of disaster, the promise issued goes forth. Rebuking the enemy of all the children that, that, are, that are slain by Pharaoh and thrown into the river, the promise remains. Out of all those killed in the wilderness, the promise remains. All the little boys that were murdered by Herod, the promise escapes and remains. And then, that one lonely night, born in a manger, in a small town out of the way called Bethlehem, the birth of the promise that had been issued all those years ago, That is the God who engages us in worship today. The promise keeper, light in the darkness. That's who he is. Who are you? Let me step on your toes here. Who are you to doubt? Right? I've been really nice for most of this. Who do you think you are? Fair question. Who do you think you are? With your vast experiential knowledge? Who are you to doubt the creator of the heavens and the earth? The one who is good for it. The one when, who, when he issues a promise, he will move all of heaven and earth and rebuke all of hell that it comes forth in due season. You've been asking the wrong question, you know. You've been asking who is God that he would be faithful. Who are you to doubt? Who am I to say otherwise, to gainsay the word of God? Amen. Amen. God can do anything. But I'm declaring to you today that faith is what wakes up the wonder. Faith is what shakes up the situation you find yourself in. It's faith that changes the atmosphere that you're operating out of. Faith is what will wake up the wonder. That's what's going to take us to where we need to be. That's what's going to empower us to be who we need to be. It is faith alone that determines your destiny to believe God. nothing else. Not reason, not understanding. Faith that he is who he says he is. Faith speaks to dry bones and causes them to live. Faith walks on water. Faith makes mothers and fathers out of the infertile. Faith kills giants and causes them to fall. Faith cures cancer. Faith sustains the weak. Faith and faith alone wakes up the wonder. Faith 
wakes up the wonder.